Chapter Ten of Lorna Doone. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Daisy Fifty Five. Lorna Doone by Aura D. Blackmore. Chapter Ten. A Brave Rescue and a Rough Ride. It happened upon a November evening, when I was about fifteen years old and outgrowing my strength very rapidly, my sister Annie being turned thirteen, and a deal of rain having fallen, and all the troughs in the yard being flooded, and the bark from the wood ricks washed down the gutters, and even our water shooting going brown, that the ducks in the court made a terrible quacking, instead of marching off to their pen, one behind another thereupon annie and i ran out to see what might be the sense of it there were thirteen ducks and ten lily white as the fashion then of ducks was not i mean twenty-three in all but ten white and three brown striped ones and without being nice about their color they all quacked very movingly they pushed their gold-colored bills here and there yet dirty as gold is apt to be, and they jumped on the triangles of their feet and sounded out of their nostrils, and some of the over-excited ones ran along low on the ground, quacking grievously with their bills snapping and bending, and the roof of their mouths exhibited. Annie began to cry, Dilly, Dilly, eeny, eeny, Dexy, according to the burden of a tune they seemed to have accepted as the National Ducks' Anthem. But instead of being soothed by it, they only quacked three times at home and ran around till we were giddy. And then they shook their tails together and looked grave and went round and round again. Now, I am uncommonly fond of ducks, both roasted and roasting and roasting, And it is a fine sight to behold them walk, parting one after another, and their toes out like soldiers drilling and their little eyes cocked all ways at once and the way that they did with their bills and dabble and throw up their heads and enjoy something and then tell the others about it therefore i knew at once by the way they were carrying on that there must be something or other gone wholly amiss in the duck world sister annie perceived it too but with a greater quickness for she counted them like a good duck wife and could only tell thirteen of them when she knew there ought to be fourteen and so we began to search about and the ducks ran to lead us all right having come that far to fetch us and when we got down to the foot of the courtyard where the two great ash trees stand by the side of the little water we found good reason for the urgence and melancholy of the birds lo the old white drake the father of all a bird of high manners and chivalry always the last to help himself from the pan of barley meal and the first to show fight to a dog or cock intruding upon his family this fine fellow and pillar of the state was now in a sad predicament yet quacking very stoutly for the brook wherewith he had been familiar from his callow childhood and wherein he was wont for quest for water newts 
and tadpoles and caddis worms and other game this brook which afforded him very often scantly space to dabble in and sometimes starved the cresses was now coming down in a great brown flood as if the banks never belonged to it the foaming of it and the noise and the cresting of the corners and the up and down like a wave of the sea were enough to frighten any duck though breed upon stormy waters which our ducks have been there is always a hurdle six feet long and four and a half in depth swung by a chain at either end from an oak laid across the channel and the use of this hurdle is to keep our keen at milking time from straying away from their drinking for in truth they are very dainty and the fence strange cattle or farmer snow's horses from coming along the bed of the brook unknown to steal our substance but now this hurdle which hung in the summer a foot above the trickle would have been dipped more than two feet deep but for the power against it for the turn came down so vehemently that the chains at full stretch were creaking and the hurdle buffeted almost flat and thatchy so to say and the drift stuff was going seesaw with a silky splash on the dirty red comb of the waters but saddest to see was between two bars where fog was of rushes and flood wood and wild celery hollum and dead cross foot who but our venerable mallard jammed in by the joint of his shoulders speaking aloud as he rose and fell with his top knot full of water unable to comprehend it with his tail washed away from him but often compelled to be silent being ducked very harshly against his will by the choking fall of the hurdle for a moment i could not help laughing because being borne up high and dry by a tumult of the turret he gave me a look from his one little eye having lost one in fight with a turkey cock a gaze of appealing sorrow and then a loud quack to second it but the quack came out of time i suppose for his throat got filled with water as the hurdle carried him back again and then there was scarcely the screw of his tail to be seen until he swung up again and left small doubt by the way he spluttered and failed to quack and hung down his poor crest but what he must drown in another minute and frogs triumph over his body annie was crying and wringing her hands and i was about to rush into the water although i liked not the look of it but hoped to hold on by the hurdle when a man on horseback came suddenly around the corner of the great ash hedge on the other side of the stream and his horse's feet were in the water hold there he cried get thee back boy the flood will carry thee down like a straw i will do it for ye and no trouble with that he leaned forward and spoke to his mare she was just of the tint of a strawberry a young thing very beautiful and she arched up her neck as misliking the job yet trusting him would attempt it she entered the flood with her dainty forelegs slopped forward and further in front of her and her delicate ears pricked forward and the size of her great eyes increasing but he kept her straight in the turbid rush by the pressure of his knee on her 
Then she looked back and wondered at him, as the force of the turn grew stronger, but he bade her go on, and on she went. And it foamed up over her shoulders, and she tossed up her lip and scorned it, for now her courage was wakening. Then, as the rush of it swept her away, and she struck with her forefeet down the stream, he leaned from his saddle in a manner which I never could have thought possible, and caught up with old Tom with his left hand, and sat him between his hoisters, and smiled at his faint quack of gratitude. In a moment all these were carried downstream, and the rider lay flat on his horse, and tossed the hurdle clear from him, and made for the bend of smooth water. They landed some thirty or forty yards low in the midst of our kitchen garden, where the winter cabbage was but though annie and i crept in through the hedge and were full of our thanks and admiring him he would answer us never a word until he had spoken in full to the mare as if explaining the whole to her sweetheart i know thou could have leaped it he said as he patted her cheek being on the ground by this time and she was nudging up to him with the water patting off of her but i had a good reason when it did for making thee go through it she answered him kindly with her soft eyes and smiled at him very lovingly and they understood one another then he took from his waistcoat two peppercorns and made the old drake swallow them and tried him softly upon his legs where the leading gap in the hedge was old tom stood up quite bravely and clapped his wings and shook off the wet from his tail feathers and then away into the courtyard and his family gathered round him and they all made a noise in their throats and stood up and put their bills together to thank god for this great deliverance having taken all this trouble and watched the end of that adventure the gentleman turned round to us with a pleasant smile on his face as if he were lightly amused with himself and we came up and looked at him he was rather short about john fry's height or maybe be a little taller but very strongly built and springy as his gait at every step showed plainly although his legs were bowed with much riding and he looked as if he lived on horseback to a boy like me he seemed very old being over twenty and well found in beard but he was not more than four and twenty fresh and ruddy looking with a short nose and keen blue eyes and a merry waggish jerk about him as if the world were not in earnest yet he had a sharp stern way like the crack of a pistol if anything misliked him and we knew for children see such things that it was safer to trickle than buffet him well young'uns what be gapping at he gave annie a chuck on the chin and took me all in without winking your mare i said standing stoutly up being a tall boy now i never saw such a beauty sir will you let me have a ride of her uh, think thou couldst ride a lad she will have no burden but mine thou could never ride her <laughs> i'll be low to kill thee ride her i cried with a bravest scorn for she looked so kind and gentle there never was horse upon x or foe but i could tackle in half an hour 
only I never ride upon saddle. Take them leathers off of her. He looked at me with a dry little whistle, and thrust his hand into his breeches pockets, and so grinned that I could not stand it. And Annie laid hold of me in such a way that I was almost mad at her. And he laughed and approved of her for doing so. And the worst of all was, he said nothing. Get away, Annie, will you? Do you think I'm a fool, good sir? Only trust me with her, and I will not override her. For that I will go bail, my son. She is likely to over thee, override thee, but the ground is soft to fall upon after all this rain. Now come on out into the young young man for the sake of your mother's cabbages. And the mellow straw bed will be softer for thee, since pride must have its fall. I am thy mother's cousin, boy, and I'm going up the house. Tom Faggus is my name, as everybody knows, and this is my young mare, Winnie. What a fool I must have been not to know it at once. Tom Fagus, the great highwayman and his young blood mare, the Strawberry. Already her fame was noised abroad, nearly as much as her master's, and my longing to ride her grew tenfold, but fear came at the back of it. Not that I had the smallest fear of what the mare could do to me by fair play and horse trickery but that the glory of sitting upon her seemed to be too great for me especially as there were rumors abroad that she was not a mare after all but a witch however she looked like a filly all over and wonderfully beautiful with her supple stride and soft slope of shoulder and glossy coat beaded with water, and prominent eyes full of docile fire. Whether this came from her eastern blood of the Arabs newly imported, and whether the cream color mixed with our bay led to that bright strawberry tint, is certainly more than I can decide, being chiefly acquainted with farm horses. And these come of any color and form. You never can count what they will be, and I'm lucky to get four legs to them. Mr. Fagus gave his mare wink, and she walked demurely after him. A bright young thing, flowing over with light, yet dropping her soul to a high one, and led by love to anything, as the matter is of females, when they know what is, what is the best for them. Then Winnie trod lightly upon the straw, because it had soft muck under it, and her delicate feet came back again. Up for a steer, boy, be ye? Tom Fagus stopped, and the mare stopped there, and they looked at me provokingly. Is she able to leap, sir? There is good take-off on this side of the brook. Mr. Fagus laughed very quietly, turning around to Winnie so that she might enter into it. And she, for her part, seemed to know exactly where the fun lay. Good tumble off, you mean, boy? Well, there can be small harm to thee. I'm akin to the family and know the substance of their skulls. Let me get up, I said, waxing wroth, for reasons I cannot tell you, because they are too manifold, 
Take off your saddlebags things. I will try not to squeeze the ribs in, unless she plays nonsense with me. Then Mr. Fagus was up on his mettle at this proud speech of mine, and John Fry was running up all the while and Bill Dads and half a dozen. Tom Fagus gave one glance around and then dropped all regard for me. The high repute of his mare was at stake, and what was my life compared to it? Through my defiance and stupid ways, here was I in a duel, and my legs not come to the strength yet, and my arms as limp as a herring. Something of this occurred to him even in his wrath for me, for he spoke very softly to the filly, who now could scarce subdue herself. But she drew in her nostrils, and breathed to his breath, and did all she could do to answer him. Not too hard, my dear, he said. Let him gently down on the mixing. That'll be quite enough. Then he turned the saddle off, and I was up in a moment. She began at first so easily, and prickled her ears so lovingly, and minced about as if pleased to find so light a weight upon her, that I thought she knew I could ride a little and fear to show any capers. Gee, woo, Polly, cried I, for all the men were now looking on, being then at the leaving off time. Gee, woolly, Polly, and show what thou'st be made of. With that, I plugged my heels into her, and Billy Dawes flung his hat up. Nevertheless, she outraged not, though her eyes were frightening. Annie and John Fry took a pick to keep himself safe. But she curbed to and fro of her strong forearms, rising like springs and gather, waiting and quivering grievously, and beginning to sweat about it. Then her master gave a shrill, clear whistle, when her ears were bent forwards him, and I felt her form beneath me gathering up like whalebone and her hind legs coming under me, and I knew that I was in for it. First she reared upright in the air and struck me full on the nose with her comb, till I bled worse than Robert Snell made me, and then down with her fore feet deep in the straw and her hind feet going to heaven. Finding me stick to her still like wax, for my metal was up as hers was, away she flew with me swifter than ever I went before or since I throw. She drove full head at the cobwall. Oh, Jack, slip off! screamed Annie. Then she turned like light, when I thought to crush her and ground my left knee against it. Max me, I cried, for my bridges were broken and short words went the furthest. If you kill me, you shall die with me. Then she took the courtyard gate at a leap knocking my words between my teeth and then right over a quick-set hedge as if the sky was a breath to her and a way for the watermelons while i lay on her neck like a child at the breast and wish i had never been born straight away all in the front of the wind and scattering clouds around her all i knew of the speed we made was the frightful flash of her shoulders and her mane like trees in the tempest I felt the earth under us rushing away, and the air left far behind us, and my breath came and went, and I prayed to God and was sorry to be so late of it. All the long, swift while, without power or thought, 
I clung to her crest and shoulders, and dug my nails into her cresses, and my toes into her flank part, and was proud of holding on so long, though sure of being beaten. Then in her fury at feeling me still, she rushed at another device for it, and leaped the wide water trough sideways across to and fro till no breath was left in me. The hazel boffs took me too hard in the face, and the tall dog breers got hold of me, and the ache of my back was like crimping a fish, till I longed to give up, thoroughly beaten, and lie there and die in the cresses. But there came a shrill whistle from up the home hill, where the people had hurried to watch us, and the mare stopped as if a bullet then set off for home with the speed of a swallow and going as smoothly and silently. I never had dreamed of such delicate motion, fluent and graceful and invisient, soft as the breeze fitting over the flowers, but swift as the summer lightning. I sat up again, but my strength was all spent and no time left to recover it. And though she rose at our gate like a bird, I tumbled off into the mixin'. End of chapter 10 Recording by Daisy 55